0: You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. Run was our theme this year in student ministry. We talked a lot about that idea, the highs and lows of a race. We talked about life and those unexpected obstacles or joys that can change things. One of the things that you need to know about me, as Monty already said, I recently became a dad. You can see Josiah here. It's absolutely precious. Uh, He's doing great. Mom and baby will be here later on today for their first Sunday, which is very exciting. He just celebrated his seven-week birthday. Ah, where does the time go? We also just closed on a house on Friday and moved on Saturday and didn't finish till about midnight last night. So I'm all hopped up on coffee right now. What a fun process that is. Another thing you need to know about me, I've never liked running. I don't really see the point of it, to be honest with you. And all that's fine for me to say, except for one thing. It turns out running's actually good for you. It's healthy for you supposedly it helps you live longer, blah, 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 I still don't like running. I didn't win a lot of races growing up. PE and track used to irritate me to no end because that's one of the main things you do is you run. In fact, one of the highlights of my running career was when I was in middle school, just a little bit shorter than I am now. Not much, but you know and we had to run the 100 meter dash. Now for those of you who may have forgot, the 100 meter dash is basically the length of one straightaway of a track. And it just so happened that we were paired up in groups of six or seven people, that way we could get through the line quicker. And it just so happened, I was the only boy in my group. Hmm, you guys can see where this is going, right? There was no positive outcome for me here. I was in middle school. Either I was going to win a race against a bunch of girls, MBTs, relentlessly because it's middle school, or I was going to lose a race to a bunch of girls, MBTs, relentlessly because it's middle school. I did not like my chances. It also happened to be a very windy day outside. One of the many reasons I do not like running outside. I also happened to forget that we had P.E. that day, otherwise I would have wore much different clothes than I did. I ended up wearing a sweatshirt and sweatpants. Nice, comfortable. They were baggy, loose-fitting clothing. So as I'm lining up at the starter line, I'm thinking to myself, what's the best-case scenario here? What needs to happen? Do I need to you know, finish in the middle of the pack, that way no one can say anything? I definitely can't lose, that's just gonna be a disaster. So I decided I have to win. So I got that determined look on my face, that growl, I gritted my teeth, and the moment the teacher blew the whistle, I took off as quick as I could. And at that same moment, a gust of wind came down from the heavens and it caught my baggy, loose-fitting clothes and they billowed out for me like a sail catching wind. Only it didn't push me forward, it actually held me back. I ended up finishing last. Running can be really complicated because a lot of it boils down to what you're wearing. You don't see too many people wearing a suit of armor, for example, getting ready to run around a track. Be an awesome image, but you're probably not going to do very well. Could you carry giant dumbbells with you, wrap heavy chains around you, run in giant boots? Definitely. Again, you're probably not going to do very well. Why? Because if you guys notice that when you're running a race and you're actually taking it seriously, you usually are wearing as little clothes as possible. You want as little resistance as possible. Skin-tight clothing is an absolute must. You don't want any gusts of wind or anything like that slowing you down. Why on earth would we want to carry around a lot of unnecessary weight that's only going to slow us down, that's only going to hold us back is it possible that I would have won my race that day if I was wearing different clothing yes definitely sure I don't have that guarantee but I definitely would have done better I don't like running but what if I told you right now we are all running whether we realize it or not even though you guys are sitting down right now you are running because in this race of life that we're running, and yes, it is a race, how are you doing? Are you tired? Are you out of breath? Are you taking a break? Have you even started running yet? Do you feel so weighed down by everything that you can't move as fast as you would like? Do you even realize that you're carrying extra weight that can't be seen? The book of Hebrews has a lot to say about this and the book of Hebrews is absolutely fascinating because we don't know who actually wrote it. Even after all this time, half of the New Testament was basically written by Paul. So a lot of people assume, well, Paul wrote Hebrews too. There's a lot of evidence to support that. A lot of the phrasing, the language that's used is very similar but there's also evidence against that. So for the sake of our message today, I'll just refer to the author of Hebrews as the author. And we're looking at Hebrews 12, 1 through three today if you wanna follow along with me. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There's a lot of information here. There's a lot to unpack and digest. So let's start at the very beginning. The author says, therefore, This actually connects what's to come with the previous chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. And that's known by most people as the Hall of Fame of Faith chapter, because it's basically set up to commend people like Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses for the faith that they showed throughout life in their respective situations. The author also says, therefore, since we, not you, not I, we the author is including themselves in this as well. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, is it possible that we're talking about actual clouds and being surrounded by them? Yeah, anything's possible. It's an odd image though, if you picture it. But it's really interesting language to use. The author's talking about a race here. They're constructing this image of this taking place in a stadium surrounded by people. That would easily explain the surrounded idea. We've all seen a stadium. Most of them are, you know, in a circle, an oval type of shape, surrounded by all sides. However, in that type of competition, things usually go one way. All the people who are in the crowd are cheering on the competitors as they run, as they compete. We've all been there. We know what that's like. You want to show your appreciation for what you're seeing. Incredible athletic skill that some of us could only dream about mimicking. But we're not talking about a normal race here. We're talking about the race. The race of life. And scholars and commentators alike actually believe that the great cloud of witnesses includes people from the Hall of Fame of Faith chapter, as well as other people throughout history. They believe they're an example of the endurance and perseverance we need to have. That they showed during their race that we can look up to for encouragement. Now this next part is where it gets really interesting. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. When we talk about being a Christian and struggling in our walk with God, usually there's always one topic that comes up. Sin. We're talking about the race of life right now. Of course the author it can't go without mentioning sin. Sin, whether we like it or not, is a huge part of our lives. And of course sin could slow us down or get in the way sometimes. The author mentions it, but did you catch this other part? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Two different things. Again, there's no way the author could mention running the race of life without mentioning sin. But it's clear that there are other things that can slow us down. It's clear there are other things that can affect our race. In fact, when you translate the phrase everything that hinders to its Greek form, you get the word onkos. And that means any kind of weight. So say that with me. Onkos. It's got the emphasis on the S like a snake. So to rephrase it, it basically is saying let us throw off any kind of weight, and the sin that so easily entangles. The author is suggesting that we need to travel light. But what other things besides sin could slow us down? Yes, sin is bad. Yes, sin constantly gets in the way of our walk with God. But what else is the author talking about? Earlier this year, we did a social media seminar called No Filter, where we examined the history of social media and how it's evolved over time. To where social media used to be something used in passing because you only had access on computers, now we have access to it all hours of the day through phones, tablets, watches. It's not uncommon for someone to spend 30 minutes just looking down, scrolling through the news feed, looking at whatever people post. And people post some crazy things now, you guys. To where social media was designed to connect people, it's morphed into this crazy blob of depressing thoughts, outspoken opinions, and just a general thing that's dividing people instead of bringing them together. And we are eating it up. We can't quit. Our kids are being taught by the world that this, this is what defines you. This is where your affirmation and everything should come from. This is the most important thing your time, effort, and energy should be devoted to. I know a couple of people who have spent at least an hour trying to take the perfect selfie. For those of you that don't know what a selfie is, it's just simply a picture of yourself. Getting back to Hebrews, it tells us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are supposed to run this race with perseverance. Perseverance is basically steady persistence in the course of action despite difficulties, despite obstacles or discouragement along the way. You basically keep going. We're supposed to keep going with our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, but if we're really truly being honest, how many of us right now are doing this. You know, we got one eye up so we can see what's going on, but also one eye on our phones just in case we miss something. Or even better, how many of us are doing this? We could be wandering around in a circle and have no idea, have no, oh, see, I have no idea what's in front of me. We could be wandering off the path, but this device is controlling our lives I've been guilty of this in fact one Saturday morning it was time for me to do one of my chores that I have around the house it was time for me to take out the garbage literally and I was in my pajamas because that's how I roll and I was waiting on a text message from someone that I didn't want to miss so I insisted on taking my phone with me to take out the garbage And my wife, Lauren, was like, what are you doing? You're only going to be gone like a minute. Just leave your phone here. My answer, because I don't want to, duh. Lauren's a hero of the story, by the way. So I put my phone in my pocket and I open the door and go outside. Now, we lived in uh, Florida for the last five years, but this was Kentucky. I forgot, it gets cold here. One of the many reasons I do not like running outside So as I step outside, I realize it's too cold. So I'm going to run to the dumpster. And the moment I took off, that phone flew right out of my pocket, hit the ground, and the screen smashed into lots and lots of pieces. Why didn't it have a case on it, you're asking? Because I didn't think I needed one. It turns out that my phone actually was still usable. It still worked, even with the cracked screen. Couldn't see things very well. Little black spots actually started to form inside the phone that randomly covered up things. It was odd. But an interesting thing happened. I ended up using my phone less because it was really frustrating to use it otherwise. And I decided not to get it fixed as punishment for being a stubborn individual. And it opened my eyes to everything going on around me. I saw the world differently. I didn't realize how much I was addicted to that little rectangle, how much I was on it. I mean, definitely my hands started cramping less because I wasn't doing this constantly. It was amazing. It was so freeing. We can become so fixated on that device in our hands that we stop paying attention to everything else. Truthfully, are we? That fixated on Jesus. A phone is a weight that holds so many people back. We may find ourselves saying things like, I just don't have time for Jesus. I like him, but I've got too many other things going on. And then we spend 30 minutes on our phone, not knowing where the time's gone. Did you guys know that we can get Bible apps and devotionals on our phone now? Are we that fixated on Jesus? Addictions can be a way, and I'm not talking about drugs or alcohol. I'm talking about those little habits that we have that we just don't want to give up. For example, reading the paper in the morning. Making sure we have an extra 15 minutes to stop and get that perfect cup of coffee that we always have. Completely uninterrupted time that we insist on having so that we can watch our favorite TV show, etc., etc. You guys get the idea. And none of these things that I mentioned are bad, not at all. But think about the mindset that goes along with that. We are determined to keep repeating these habits over and over and over again. Do we have that same determination in our race? We can set aside time to do those kinds of things. Can we set aside time for God? are we that fixated on Jesus? Money's another weight that can slow you down. I strongly, strongly dislike that our world revolves around those little green pieces of paper that determines everything. Where we live, what we eat, what we wear, what we can, what we can't do. It is so frustrating. We can never seem to get enough. The Bible has a lot to say about money and you may remember Monty talking about this last week. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, "'Whoever loves money never has enough. "'Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. "'This too is meaningless.'" And all of this is great to say, except if we're really being honest, right now, how many of us are trying to run with our arms full of money so that we can take as much with us as possible to the finish line? Are we that fixated on Jesus? This next one is tricky. So I will tread as cautiously as I can. And I understand if you want to talk to me in the parking lot after church. We live in and around Lexington, Kentucky. This is a great place to be located. We have so many things our time, our effort, and energy can be focused on, like the Kentucky Wildcats. Okay, no one rushed the stage. I'm going to keep going. I grew up a Kentucky fan, watching Rick Bettino win his titles, then Tubby, then Billy G, although we don't talk about him, and now Cal. I've seen all the highs and lows during that time. The final four runs, the championships, the heartbreaking losses. We are so passionate about this program in this area that we keep talking ourselves into the football team every year. (laughs) I bleed blue, metaphorically of course, but I haven't always done the best priority wise when it came to them because it's very easy when you're that passionate about something, to focus all of your time, all of your effort, all of your energy on it. There is absolutely nothing wrong with being a Kentucky fan, you guys, except if you insist on burning couches next to gas stations. But are we able to run towards Jesus to the absolute best of our abilities with the same amount of passion and energy? Are we that fixated on Jesus? Is your weight that you're carrying around your past? There is absolutely nothing wrong with having a past. We all have one. But sometimes we just can't seem to let go of it. It just keeps creeping up in our brains time and time again, distracting us from what's really going on in our present day life. To where instead of, you know, being open to running the race or actually trying to, we think about what we used to be. And we end up running backwards a lot of the time instead of running forwards. I grew up without a mom or dad. They weren't capable of taking care of me, slash, they didn't really want me. And in place, I grew up with my grandparents, and that was great. That was awesome. The best parents you could ever ask for. But I could never shake that feeling that my biological parents didn't want me. It ate away at me. I obsessed over it day after day, month after month, year after year. I could never escape it. All it took was something as simple as a friend saying, my mom took me to do this. My dad helped me with this. And I spiraled. It affected my race and my walk with God in a huge way, because if my own parents didn't want me, how could God? Our past will always be there, but we have a choice whether or not we let it slow us down. Are we that fixated on Jesus? Fear is another way that we can end up carrying around with us. can take many different forms, and it can definitely slow us down if we're not careful. Because I was abandoned by my biological dad, I've always wondered, am I capable of doing that to my own kid? And that fear only increased as we got closer and closer to Josiah gracing us with his presence. I panicked the night it was time to go to the hospital. I spent 20 or more minutes looking for a hat. I was scared. I didn't know what this was going to be like. What if I didn't feel anything towards my son? What if he grabbed my finger and my heart hardened or it turned into an ice cube? And that fear has dominated my brain since the moment I found out we were going to have a baby. I carried that weight with me the entire time as I was trying to run my race every day. But, as you guys can see on this picture, (laughs) this is a pretty cool kid. I love him to death. He looks like me, which means he's very handsome. But, this was just a normal night. Me holding him, burping him. He loves when I burp him. He's gonna be here later today and I am so excited to see him. I'm so excited to hold him after church and get to be his dad. That weight really isn't there anymore. But we don't always get to be that lucky. Fear is a tough thing to deal with. And it truly can weigh us down if we're not careful. Are we that fixated on Jesus? And yet, despite all these ways we talked about, as well as the ones we haven't, the author wants us to throw all of this off, run with perseverance, keep going with everything we have towards Jesus. He wants us to be so fixated on the prize In fact, something I like to do every once in a while is to make a list of my top five priorities at the time. And on the information card that you guys were given when you walked in, you'll see a list of five things. And that's for you. And in the spirit of full, complete, honest transparency, my list in the past has been quite selfish. This has been filled with things like Netflix. Video games. All hours of the night professional wrestling. In fact, there were definitely times where this list would need to be a top 20 to have any mention of Jesus. But the things on my list were things that I went out of my way to prioritize. If you're really, truly being honest with yourselves, what? does your list look like? Are there unnecessary weights on it? Are there things you're holding on to that you just can't seem to let go? Things that all of your effort and energy are spent on? We are supposed to be fixated on Jesus. Why? Why are we supposed to be fixated on Jesus? Why is Jesus really the ultimate prize that we should prioritize above all of these other things? And the author tells us very clearly, getting back to Hebrews, "'For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners.'" so you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus endured the cross for each and every single one of us. And sometimes it is so easy for us to forget. He didn't have to do this. He chose to do this. In fact, the night everything happened, he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in Matthew 26, 39, it says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. He didn't want to do it. He actually asked for this burden that he eventually endured to be taken away from him. Matthew 26, 42 actually tells us it wasn't the only time he prayed while he was there. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. At first, Jesus basically asked if there was any other way, any other way at all, could God take this away from him? If it was at all possible, could they do this another way? But the second time he prayed, it becomes clear that Jesus has accepted. That if this is the only way, if he is the only one who can do this, then it needs to be done. If Jesus is really the only one who can be sacrificed, so we're forgiven from our sins, he accepts it. He agrees to do it. He chooses To endure the cross and everything that came along with it. The author doesn't stop there. The author gives us one last bit of encouragement with verse three. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus Christ ran this race. Jesus was made fun of. He had people who didn't like him. He had people who wanted to destroy him. He got angry. He got sad. He got frustrated. The reason that Jesus is truly the ultimate prize is because he came to earth to live the kind of life we have to live every day. He lived among us. He walked among us. He understood humans, their good traits, their bad ones. He gave people an example of how you truly could live if you threw off the unnecessary weights and kept your eyes focused on the goal. And now because of his sacrifice, we have a chance at eternity. We have a chance at heaven. And that is the best thing that we can ever hope for, you guys. This is why the author wants us to focus on Jesus. The author knows this race is not easy. We're not talking about a short run outside to the dumpster. We're talking about a race. We're talking about the race. We have to train, we have to prepare, we have to run. Being a Christian and a Jesus believer in 2018 is difficult. There's no other way to say it. We have those days where we feel like we're running towards Jesus with everything we possibly have. Those days where we feel so weighed down by everything, we don't have the energy to move. I mean, look at this guy. There is no way we could run a race like this, not run it well anyway. And yet, This is what we're willingly doing to ourselves every single day, whether we realize it or not. We have those days where we're not even on the track, those days where we're just sitting in the bleachers watching other people run while we take a break. Sometimes it's a short one, sometimes it's a long one, sometimes it's a permanent one. But we cannot stop running. Yes, this race is hard. Yes, this race is difficult. Yes, it might seem impossible sometimes. And yet, despite all of these things in the video that you guys are about to see, it's very easy for us to forget. We don't have to run alone. Rick Hoyt was born in 1962 to Dick and Judy Hoyt. And as a result of a lack of oxygen to his brain, He was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, among other complications. Mom and dad were advised to actually institutionalize Rick because there was no chance for him to live a normal life. In the spring of 1977, Rick told his father that he wanted to participate in a five-mile benefit run for a lacrosse player who had been paralyzed in an accident His dad was the opposite of a long distance runner, but he agreed to push Rick in his wheelchair and they finished all five miles coming in next to last. And that night, Rick told his father, "'Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped.'" This was just the beginning of what would become over 1,000 races the two have completed together including marathons, duathlons, triathlons, six of them were actually Ironman competitions. And to add to their list of achievements, in 1992, they biked and ran across the entire United States in just 45 days. And Rick was once asked, if he could give his father one thing, one thing in the world, what would it be? And Rick said, the thing I'd most like is for my dad to sit in the chair, and I would push him for once. Just like Rick and Dick accomplished their goals together, we can run with God. If we need help or assistance, he's more than happy to push us along in a chair until we can get back on our feet. We can run with each other. We can run with our kids. One of the things that we did this year that worked really well in student ministry was sending home discussion questions to the parents every time we studied something so they could be a part of the conversation with their students outside of church. And we're only going to continue to add to that going forward. So if you haven't signed up for that yet, I encourage you to give it a try. All you have to do is go to our church website under the student section and just fill out a really quick thing that takes a minute. And then you have the option to run with your kids outside of church as well. We can run with our church family. There are a lot of different things going on here at the church. Life groups, discipleship groups, women's ministry, men's ministry, Sunday school classes. Places where you can be connected with other people who are running the race too. We don't have to run alone. Throw off the unnecessary weight. Run with perseverance the race that God has for you. Run towards the prize, the ultimate prize in Jesus Christ. And remember, we don't have to run alone. I've never liked running. I don't really see the point of it, to be honest with you. And all that is perfectly fine for me to say, except it turns out running's actually good for you. It's healthy for you. Supposedly, it can help you to live longer, blah, blah, blah. I still don't like running, but this, you guys, is not a normal race. This is the most important thing that we can ever do. This is the most important thing that we were created to do. It's time to run. If you'll pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this chance to celebrate so many people who have given their lives for us. Thank you for this day and this chance to celebrate you. Please help us to remember that as we're running this race of life, God, As we're trying to run to the best of our abilities, despite all of these distractions or everything else that's going on, please help us to remember that we don't have to be as bogged down. We don't have to be as weighed down as we feel sometimes. Help us to identify those unnecessary weights that we are willingly choosing to carry around with us, God. Please help us to throw everything off and run towards you, our ultimate prize. Thank you for the sacrifice that you have made for each and every one of us. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins. Thank you for giving us encouragement to run. It's in your name I pray.